0: Welcome to Toxic. Be aware this podcast delves into tough-to-hear but necessary to discuss topics surrounding violence against women. There may be descriptions of intimate partner abuse and violence, child abuse, and sexual assault, which can be triggering. Please exercise caution when listening. We also use adult language because, well, we're adults. Finally, if you like what you hear, please leave a review or click the subscribe button so the magic podcast machine can tell you when our next episode comes out
1: hello welcome to episode 36 of toxic <laughs> bringing this to you in some sweaty balls reverb because it is that time of year i'm a, i'm i almost said I, i'm amanda i'm not amanda i'm looking at amanda i'm jenna, I'm jenna. <laughs> <laughs> we're all jenna aren't we also we're all, we're all amanda
0: we're all a little bit jenna uh, oh my god my eye just started watering and it won't stop what does that mean um you're getting pre-emotional about this episode
1: i but just one eye is sad um i would sing (sighs) some metallica to sing about one eye open keeping hugging your pillow tight (laughs) a little enter sandman for this lovely (sighs) what day will this be released monday
0: monday's a good day to release podcasts about awful things because monday is just it's known as the awful day
1: We'll enhance your case of the Mondays with some toxic masculinity.
0: Right. Are you already mad on Monday? Join us. We're mad too. Right. Here's something else to be mad about. Have you run out of things to be mad about? We have another one.
1: We have a Is it another week of your life that you don't want to deal with? Here's
0: some more bullshit that you don't want to deal with. (laughs) Come into our zone. Uh, So... Last episode, um I was surprised that we didn't get any more feedback on the uh discussion we had about online dating and its horrors um I thought for sure somebody else would <laughs> would weigh in and and join us in that like disbelief of dating after forty online and and how different it is, but so far, our, our massive audience has been kind of quiet on that. Have you jumped back in in any sense or are you off for good? <laughs> no,
1: I actually um Chatted with my auntie last night for a little bit and and relayed the story of horrors to her because she hadn't heard it yet and um no I haven't hmm. I haven't because like I literally just kind of keep rehashing that experience <laughs>
0: in your brain and, you're like oh and, no
1: yeah and and again even. <coughs> Even if I found somebody who I was like, oh, my God, I really want to go on a date with this person, the anxiety that it brings to me to consider going on a date with somebody slash having to maintain some sort of relationship outside of the one that I have with my kids. Yeah. It's too much. It's a lot of work. It's too much. It is. It is. And I'm just not in it. I'm not in it to win it. I'm in it to run away from it. (laughs)
0: <laughs> i wonder if the holiday season has any impact on the numbers of people who do online dating does it go up or down does it go up because people are like i want to live out that lifetime tv movie that i know i'm the main character of or does it go down because people are like oh okay, it's too fucking busy right now with christmas right. like i can't even handle you know presents much less going on a first date all i can think is
1: that um tinder is that the hookup one <laughs> I assume that the hookups, yeah, the, the hookup. I know. Again, I'm asking questions. Neither of us know the answer yeah. to. But um, I feel like the hookup ones are probably. I would assume they're the most active because it's like, I need a mental escape, and my mental yeah. escape is going to be having sex with somebody I don't know right now.
0: Or you're just especially lonely around the holidays if you don't have somebody. Yes. Or if you don't, if you're not close with your family, if you don't have kids, like you might feel like you know what? I need some fucking company. No shame mm-hmm. in that game. No,
1: not at all, that. and and that's that's what I could see like a no a no commitment like this is just a thing a band aid for both of us. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I can exactly. see that because no, honestly, God, I don't know who's trying to start a relationship around Christmas time. It seems like an awful idea. Christmas time to me is the time to end relationships. Really? <laughs> is that terrible? No. If you're, I mean, if if you're in one that is that you don't feel like you want to be a part of anymore, you want to end it
0: before well, the yes. holidays. No, I agree with that. Yeah. Cut that off before you have to go through the holidays or buy them presents if you don't love them. But Exactly I'm a, Like I'm in camp love actually where I'm just like, No, this is a great time to find love. Not cheat on your spouse, like what's his face does, but Oh whatever. R I P. Oh I know. Whatever Alan, 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 Alan? <laughs> <Just keep saying laughs> Ellen 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 Ellen? Ellen what? Ellen. Ellen, Alan. The bad Alan. guy from Die Hard. And he was also You know, Snape. In, yeah.
1: I love that. I only know him as if it's Alan Rickman, right? Thank Alan Rickman? You,
0: Rickman, yes.
1: It was Alan. The 47 Allens weren't worthless. Alan.
0: Alan. Alan. Alan, <laughs> anyway. Alan, Alan. As usual, Christ. we got off topic. Speaking of movies, we'll, I'm going to direct us back onto topics. Have you heard of this Netflix movie called The Power of the Dog?
1: Yes, I have heard of it. I I have Benedict not
0: Cumberbatch? Kirsten Dunst.
1: I yeah, okay. Yes. I, I recall that's why I remember it because um have that weird crush that some people have on Benedict Cumberbund. And also <laughs> <laughs> Kirsten Dunst is like an icon of our generation. Uh, so see. when I saw like the thing for it, I was super stoked. Plus Elizabeth Moth is in it and I fucking love her as well. So I
0: have not seen it, but okay, I have, have an a either. desire to. Okay, well, let me tell you this, and then you can tell me if it changes anything. I don't um, know. So apparently, so you do not ruin this dog, for me. <laughs> I hope not. I mean, maybe, but I don't know. It's um, it's on Netflix. It's a it's a western or what they call a neo western, whatever the fuck that means. And the reason it it um caught my attention was because there was a lot of discussion around how it's focusing on toxic masculinity, and I was like, oh, oh interesting. Right. And so. Then I read a little bit more about it and when I read more about it I thought, "Oh, no, thank you." And here's why. <laughs> Apparently, there is this very too real bull castration scene. Um, um Benedict Cumberbatch or Cumberbund alluded to the fact that it may possibly be a real thing that he did because he's like, "I did everything that you see in the movie." And I guess this scene is just so disturbing that people are just like this is this counts as animal cruelty like pETA's up in arms as they should be um and then there's also this scene that he follows up where he beats a horse and people are like there's there's no way this horse is acting so what's going on here ah uh, does that change okay, your mind so- about this at
1: all <laughs> so i will say i was afraid that it was going to be like um that series that was on that we've talked about recently that neither of us could watch because it was too real. Um, Made,
0: thank you. Um, yeah. I thought it was going to go to that bend, but no, I didn't um, see this one coming either. I thought, okay, this could animal be interesting cruelty. about focusing on you know toxic masculinity and how it how it plays out in in the theme of a western movie like, but there's just this obscene cruelty to animals theme throughout it that Benedict Cumberbatch is not. Um has not come out and said is is fake in fact yeah, I'm saying that of it was confirmed that it might actually be real which i don't even know how that is allowed no
1: i'm saying that it's based on a book that was written in nineteen sixty seven so that's yeah. interesting um but i i'm probably still gonna watch it, okay, but mostly because I want to I'm hoping that the outcome is that I mentally debunk the fact that any of that is real. That I'm like, oh no, wait, look right there—that's CGI. Mm, like, I, I want so. tell me, I, tell me if it is. I want to have, yeah, I want to have that I'm moment where watch. I'm like, nope, that's that's not real. Yeah, um but yeah, it's funny. Everybody's got their own lines in movies, and uh-huh. I know that animal cruelty is one. I mean, I always get more reclamped when an animal dies versus a person in a movie. Yeah, um we've had this discussion amongst our friends before. Right. Um, yeah, and like I can't. I you know me. I watch tons of horror movies. I have a very yeah. there's very little that disturbs me where I'm like, you know what, I'm gonna have to turn this off because Unless I think it has, horror like, a movies personal are
0: usually so crazy, unreal. Like that's why I love cheesy action movies. Like I love the um, every Schwarzenegger movie. We know this. I'm mm-hmm. I love, yes. I love Terminator movies. Um, I love you all. You love the Rock. Let's not forget the Rock love the that wreck. you posted today. <laughs>
1: The best rock mean where he's basically wearing the same shirt in four different same. pictures.
0: And they're four different movies. <laughs> this is four different movies. Wait, wait. Yeah, I love sensationalized action movie violence, which may seem contradictory to everything we talk about in here. But it's because it's so fakey, right? Mm-hmm. But then when it's animal cruelty, I'm like, no, because how do animals act like they're hurt? Like, I have to believe that they're actually being hurt, which is too much for me. And then I can't take any sort of violence against kids. I can't. Um, it's Right. Just, and I think that that's... I can't.
1: That's where, that's where I – I mean, if it's a movie, I'm okay with it because I know it's a movie. But I, I was going to say, like, for instance, um, 8mm was on TV the other night. And I don't know mm-hmm. if you remember that movie. I, that's, I remember, like,
0: the title, but I don't remember anything else about that.
1: That was with Nicolas Cage where he's dealing with um, the fact that he's come into the knowledge that some really, really rich guy commissioned a snuff film to be made – Featuring, like, a 12- or 14-year-old. And a snuff film is where they kill somebody on camera after, like, assaulting them. And then they murder them on camera. That's, like, what a snuff film supposedly is. Or is. I hate to think that those actually exist. But the whole thing was him going into the seedy underbelly of the world where, like, people commission these kind of horrible things to happen on film and pay for it. And nobody really ever knows. It's like the Jeffrey Epstein of, like, at-home movies. Um, But, like, that doesn't... That made me upset, but like I was able to watch it, and I've totally gotten off on a tangent because that's nowhere near anything close to like animal cruelty. But we're talking about being... where our
0: lines are for right, exactly. fictionalized films, which exactly, you know, yeah, you can I'm appreciate definitely... the art of a film, but also you can totally draw a line where things might trigger you or just make you feel horrible like you know it's thinking about something like schindler's list right like that's an important movie like everyone should watch that movie but once you've seen it once that's okay to say that's enough in my opinion because that movie has a a point like that violence is there for a reason to teach us it's teaching you, yeah it's
1: teaching a lesson to not
0: be repeated um but in not- this I don't need to see Benedict Cumberbatch castrate a bull with his bare hands. Like I'm I'm like, "Oh, hard pass on that one. Whatever you're going to teach me about toxic masculinity, um I'll just read the the summary of it afterward."
1: I I'm looking at the news r- things about it talking about a lot of it is the movie explained, which I'm like, "Oh god, if it needs to be explained to me, maybe I don't want to watch it." But mm. um yeah, Above. you know what? I'll watch it. I'll t- I'll take I'll take the L and I'll watch it for us. I'll <laughs> take one for the team, okay? Yep, and I'll okay. and I'll let you know my thoughts on the whole thing. All right. We look forward to that next episode. Yes. Yes. I will I will do that at some point when my children aren't around because it seems like they shouldn't be.
0: Oh my god, absolutely <laughs> not. This is not going to be a kids movie. No. No. By no means. Um, So let's talk about this other thing that was in the news uh, recently that I think deserves our attention. Crystal Kaiser. Do you know that name? Mm -hmm. Um, Refresh my memory,
1: probably. Yeah.
0: You've probably heard of this story. So at age 17, Crystal Kaiser killed 34-year-old Randall Villar III. Um, This was in 2018. She Mm -hmm. shot this guy in the head. She started his house on fire and then she stole his car, which sounds really serious until you find out that he was sexually abusing and trafficking her at 17. So she's essentially a child victim of of trafficking. Mm -hmm. Um, And this was in Kenosha, Wisconsin, which is a city that might also sound familiar because it was also the city where Kyle Rittenhouse was just found not guilty on November 19th after killing two men and injuring a third when he too was 17 years old. At a protest in support of Jacob Blake, who was shot by police, who also claimed it was justified. So we're just going in a big loop here. Right. So and now people are like, well, if um, Kyle Rittenhouse isn't guilty, then either is Crystal Kaiser, who killed an abusive trafficker. And he had also been previously arrested for child sexual assault charges. So he's a child rapist on top of everything else. I mean, one Neat. can easily argue right, that this is an act of self-defense on her part. And she was a child um, and she was being raped, trafficked, likely brainwashed, trapped. She probably reasoned the only way to escape was to kill Valar. Like, here's the thing that always kills me is like, we wouldn't, we wouldn't take a hesitation, a moment's hesitation to blame her if she was being held hostage, right? If she had been right. kidnapped and was being held hostage and she goes and shoots this guy and she escapes, we'd all be like, oh, my God, great job. Right. right. But because it's this sort of gray, some people consider a gray area of like child trafficking where it's like, well, she also kind of chose to be with. No, you can't choose at 17. No. Right. You don't have the wherewithal to choose to stay with a trafficker. It's like saying that, you know, someone who um, who has sex at 17 with like a 40 year old guy. Right. They're like, well, she's practically an adult. She chose it actually at 17. You don't really have enough wherewithal to say that she's uh, um, complacent in that. Like she was, you know, full mind and body decision to do that. Right. So it's ridiculous that she is right now on trial. And <laughs> it- luckily, um, some do-gooders last June raise enough money to pay her $400,000 bond so she's able to get Ugh. out of prison until she's awaiting her trial for killing her trafficker. But that um, means that she was in prison up yeah. until like recently. Yeah, for quite a long Ugh. time. So it makes me kind of angry that Cal Rittenhouse is the reason that we're hearing about Crystal Kaiser, but it's also totally justified to argue that it would make sense to find Rittenhouse not guilty and also then this young... Woman not guilty, right? Like, first right. off, I don't mm-hmm. think House should have been found not guilty. Like That's not what I'm saying at all. Um, Rittenhouse <laughs> did not go to that protest to defend businesses. He, he went to that protest with a gun, hoping to use that gun. So, right, right. That's my opinion, Which
1: though. We all know. And it's, yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: Luckily, Wisconsin law provides an affirmative defense for any crime committed as a, quote, direct result of being trafficked but it has never been argued in a homicide case, so this will be the first time. Ooh. Mm-hmm. If the defense...
1: you see that? Oh, go ahead.
0: Oh, I was just going to say, if the defense proves that Kaiser was a sex trafficking victim, then it falls on the state to prove beyond a reasonable doubt that either she wasn't a victim of human trafficking or that the crime that she committed was not a direct result of that human sex trafficking. So in my very non-lawyer expertise, it sounds like the defense should have a really good case here to free Crystal Kaiser.
1: Good. I saw something, um, or I guess I should say I heard something along the lines of um, Kyle Rittenhouse's uh, the verdict or the the trial result being reviewed in a federal court of law because of all the conflicts that occurred during the case, like the judge being a piece of absolute
0: shite. Yes, we all saw that play out live.
1: Yes, yeah. Um, Like, there's no reason why this guy should have... ...gotten off as easily as he did with no, zero consequences. Right. And that it has a lot to do with the corruptness of the Wisconsin courts, which
0: is not uh, not shocking. The, the corruptness of all courts, pretty much. Right. I mean, I feel like if a child is raped, should we not as a society just be like... um Yeah. Did the victim kill the rapist? Okay. Case closed. Like, we're all good here. Like, I don't know. Like, is it just me or should we just let that one go? Right. Exactly. And, and,
1: you know, there is the instance of like, I don't know if you saw this in the news that happened recently where there was a story, I think it was out of the the Northwest about a father who supposedly murdered his daughter's boyfriend or ex-boyfriend because she was being he believed she was being trafficked by him. Whoa. And so it seemed like, oh, this is like um, a taken scenario. Like dad's getting revenge for his daughter's mistreatment. Sweet.
0: Also that Matthew
1: McConaughey movie. Uh, Yes. Uh, Whatever that one is called. It's called Alan. Um, (laughs) Alan, Alan. Um, No, but it turns out, though, after some digging, that – Actually, no, there was no trafficking happening. Dad just killed his daughter's ex boyfriend because he didn't like him for whatever reason. But, like, so, like, you know, obviously, generally, the truth will come to light at some mm-hmm. point during these things. So, I wouldn't want to see everybody be vigilante justice necessarily. Oh, my to be God. Allowed no. In any situation. But in her case, my God, I mean, I'm sorry. You know, as long as the evidence proves that this is, in ex- ex- fact, what was happening, and the guy was a piece of shit and was mm-hmm. doing all the stuff to her, Uh, one less
0: mouth to feed. <laughs> I know, yeah, you're right. Like it, it definitely would be a very slippery slope to condone killing who we suspect are rapists, but right. in this case, it seems pretty cut and dry since he was previously arrested for uh child rape. In essentially, yes, I mm-hmm. mean. And then she goes and says that she's trapped with him, and, and she kills him. But we all know how the court system goes, and uh, I just mm-hmm. don't have a whole lot of faith that victims um, are protected by the court system.
1: Yes. Concur.
0: All right. This next story uh, for today's episode 36 has very little to do with the court system. Um, and you'll you'll see why. <laughs> maybe not. Maybe not. Thank God, <laughs> doesn't even get that far. Um, so let's talk about that. All right. Do you know the name Elliot Roger? No. Okay. Um, Well, this is an older story, but I felt like we needed to revisit it because it is a classic example of toxic masculinity um, coming out in a very, very violent way. Um, you'll, um, You'll remember who this guy is when I start talking about him. This happened in 2014. Um, So the facts that I'm about to share come from, in part, uh, Wikipedia, an L.A. Times article by Joseph Serna, a Wall Street Journal report um, on YouTube by Jason Bellini, and author Kate Mann, who I interviewed for a DomesticShelters.org article. And she gave me some really interesting insights into um, this story. So I just want to give credit where credit is due for those people doing some of the heavy lifting on this. So before I started delving into this, I knew about Elliot Roger. Uh, I knew that he was a murderer, but I did not know the half of it. Um, and honestly, getting into this, I found it was a really dark hole that I had to take a lot of breaks from as I was reading about it because, um, my God, this guy had some issues uh, to an extent that I have not ever heard of before. Oh, no. And Okay. And it made me wonder, and I think it's important to also just say real quick that the reason I want to tell this story is not to sensationalize this or to um, um, give him any more press than he already has gotten, but because I feel like identifying some of these thoughts that he had during his life, you can start to sort of wonder in your head, like, how many other men let thoughts like this turn into thoughts of well women did this to me and now i'm this angry and now they deserve to die Mm -hmm. and i think Uh that's why it's really important to notice the way that men speak about women and not underestimate how that can escalate or manifest if that makes sense no totally we were talking to a mutual friend earlier this week who was telling the story of this man who was insistent on using male-centered language anytime he could do you remember having that conversation were you on that um i,
1: I may have been trying want to get too many details point, but but I, <laughs> okay. but I but
0: i but i under but i understand instead of saying right. they them that they would always say he or yes him. it was it was very much like gentlemen even if there was women in the room like it's just very much Ooh. like focusing on men um he used the phrase like men on the ground instead of like boots on the ground um talking in in like a corporate work environment you know was he 80 years old or was he younger <laughs> I, don't know.
1: I mean like i know older generations have that problem but like i don't know if anybody a pass less than, for that like anybody under the age of like 75 i'm not gonna give a pass to <laughs>
0: right it was just this very pervasive, like, it's important for me to speak to an entire group of individuals and recognize men. <laughs> I, don't know. I don't know how else to Old explain lady. it. But it, it seems weird and quirky and funny, but then also you kind of start to wonder what's going on Maddening. with this guy. And if
1: this person is in charge with, like, promotions or raises in anybody's life, then, like, clearly, as a woman...
0: Or, or has or a or wife... Has- Like, you're just like, um... Or isn't perpetually single. single? Yeah. Right. (laughs) All right. So back to Roger. Uh, It's May 23rd, 2014, and a 22-year-old man named Elliot Roger decides that he's had enough of women rejecting him. So he uploads a video to YouTube and titles it Elliot Roger's Retribution. It's his final video, he says. Tomorrow is the day of retribution quote, the day in which I will have my revenge against humanity. Oh. And he's pissed because girls don't like him and don't want to have sex with him. Probably because he's creepy as fuck, but he thinks... I'm it's... sure his
1: personality has nothing to do with it.
0: Yeah. <laughs> so, um, let's take a, a listen to a, a quick clip of this this creepy video.
1: If I can't have you. Girls, I will destroy you.
0: You denied me A happy life And in turn I will deny all of you life
1: (laughs) It's only fair I hate All of you Humanity is a disgusting Wretched Depraved species If I had it in my power I would stop at nothing to reduce every single one of you to mountains of skulls and rivers of blood.
0: Oh. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, mountains of skulls, rivers of blood. That's sounds, That's what we're working with.
1: Okay, that sounds normal. Have a nice day. <sighs> <sighs>
0: what the hell? Oh my god. So Elliot Roger is in the Isla Vista? Community known as the IV. It's located on the coast of Santa Barbara County. It's made up of some twenty-three thousand residents, and over half of them are University of California Santa Barbara students. Mm-hmm. Um, so this is not a cheap place to live. Uh, La Vista, you plop a bunch of well-off college kids down by the beach. Um, and that's what we're working with right now. If you can picture and I'm that, sure,
1: I- I'm guessing that that college isn't necessarily the cheapest college
0: to attend in the area either. Probably not. It really doesn't have anything to do with anything, but it's just so you can kind of get an idea. It I, It's going to put and in a headspace. It, it, yeah. And it's also, I mean, this is unprecedented for this area. You know, I was looking up crime stats there just to see if it was like wrong to assume that it was a pretty safe area mm-hmm. uh, being, you know, a wealthier area. And it, um, before Roger, the crime was contained mostly to petty theft because, you know, rich kids and partying. These people steal shit. Um, But I also found it interesting, this is just a side note, on this Reddit board where a girl was asking if it was safe to live there while attending UCSB, and this one commenter says, I'm a guy, and in four years, I've never once felt danger. I walk around at night by myself pretty often, too. (laughs) Um, Dude, spoiler alert, you get to walk around where you want to at night probably for the rest of your life without danger, because male privilege... Do you not see that? Like a girl's asking this and he's like, well, I'm a guy and I don't I don't feel like I'm in danger.
1: Here's here's what I've experienced as someone who is not even close to you. (laughs) It's like when you tell a story to somebody and they're like, well, I didn't experience that for me. So that's not reality. And it's like, I mean, I know that he definitely wasn't saying like,
0: I know you'll be
1: safe. But like, it's just that's not a helpful relay
0: of information. Also kind of like an idiot to not even realize what you're seeing. Like, and I hope that at this point clue in for a that second. men are a little more clued in that women don't have the same so. life experiences as men do. <sighs> All right, so back to fucking Elliot Roger. He films his retribution video in his car because um well, he's got somewhere to go the next day. He's saying that this is the the night before he's going to get in his car. Tomorrow is going to be the day that he goes out and he kills everybody who's wronged him. Mm-hmm. Um it's It's just, I mean, the whole video, you can watch it online if you want. I don't know if you want to subject yourself to that, but it's, it's the creepy laughing was too much. Oh my God. The creepy laughing is so much. He's sitting in his car. It's a black BMW. The sun is setting behind him. It's like there's palm trees. It's like a cinematographer shot this as the beginning of like a horror movie. That's really what it looks like. And he's kind of calm and serene and even giddy, which makes it even 10 times creepier in my opinion and in fact in part of the video he goes look at me i'm gorgeous but you girls don't see it i don't understand why you're so repulsed by me and i'm like
1: well you did you hear what you just said because there it is
0: yeah um just a minute of self-reflection like i hate you but why are you so repulsed by me it's like the ultimate in like men who feel entitled like i want to be creepy. I want to be violent. I want to be entitled as fuck, but I don't understand why women aren't attracted to me. I, oh my god. Yeah. So in the video, he outlines his plan to go punish women for rejecting him, and he also wants to punish men because he envies them because they get to have sex and he doesn't. So he's going to publish both men and women the next day. This is called entitlement for anyone who is not aware of this. It's the root, in my opinion, of toxic masculinity. It's reinforced by our culture. Everything from how boys are raised to be tough and in control at all times and not take no for an answer, which is another sort of thing that's reinforced in almost every movie and TV show ever made before, I don't know, maybe a couple of years ago when i feel like that started to shift very slightly in some of the themes i'm seeing in movies mm-hmm. where it's almost like they're they're now proactively showing like no you can uh, you can reject men and this mm-hmm. is how men are going to take it and i like that because it's showing yes. a, a much different perspective and i'm not trying to bash every other movie that's ever been made you know as my angela says when you know better you do better so we need right. to judge movies for when they were made but it is just—it's a constant reminder. Like this is the messaging that men have been getting for the longest time: is mm-hmm. that you're the pursuer, you're in charge, and if a woman says no, pursue her harder. Right. And, and there's a the level of like persuasion
1: way. that you can apply that will force the woman to fall in love with you. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: Eh. In case anybody was wondering, no. So Roger also emails what later becomes known as his manifesto to no, friends, family, sake. and his therapist. Um, although some reports say that this is actually his, quote, life coach, not a therapist. So those are very different things. I, uh, yeah. If he was in therapy, I would hope that a therapist would have raised some flags earlier uh, about some of these things that he must have been conveying to them. Right. This manifesto is nearly 140 pages long. It's over 100,000 words. It's titled, oh. My, it's titled My Twisted World. Uh, it's part autobiography, part list of excuses for why he's been wronged, mostly that he's owed sex for women who aren't giving it to him. He ends the thing with, quote, I will punish everyone and it will be beautiful. So let's talk for a second about how Elliot Rodger came to be. He was born in London in 1991. His dad is Peter Rodger, a director in Hollywood, mostly commercials, but he also worked on The Hunger Games. His mom is a woman named Lee Chin, a nurse. When he was five years old, the family moved to the U.S., L.A. to be exact, along with his little sister, Georgia. According to the Wall Street Journal's account of his manifesto, and I say it that way because there are some reports um, that different versions of his manifesto have been um, published online and been flubbed Mm -hmm. slightly. So just make sure if you really want to read this sick thing that you check your source so that you're getting the right information. Uh, But Roger writes, early life, five, six years old, he was, um, it was, quote, fair and satisfying. What the fuck does that even mean to say that when you were five or six years old, life was fair and satisfying? You don't Uh, know what fair and satisfying is. Right. It just reads like a psycho killer wrote it, which they did, so.
1: Well, and also, like, I feel like if he's writing this and he knows people are going to read it, he's writing it as if it's a book. And Mm -hmm. I'm sure that he's giving himself a little bit of artistic license in it. But, like, gross, dude. Mm -hmm. Like, gross.
0: I just, uh, okay, anyways. (laughs) His parents divorced when he was seven. And he writes, at this age, he realizes, quote, the time of fair play was at its end. Like, is it possible that his parents went through some sort of higher conflict divorce and it painted how he began to view women in general? Like, I don't know, but this is where things start going awry for whatever mm-hmm. reason. Um, this is when his parents started him in therapy. His dad said his son, quote, had problems, but they weren't things that I would consider overly worrisome or that he would ever be a threat to himself or other people. Because, of course, dad wants to see the best in their kids, right? Mm-hmm. In his manifesto... And also-
1: if yeah. if for some reason the son was was mimicking his father's disdain towards women after the divorce or if you know what i mean like he, if right. if his actions were f- shaped by his dad his dad might not see what he's doing as as big of a problem because he's doing it too but exactly. that's
0: you don't know conjecture i don't know right you don't know what's going on in that family you don't know what he's learning you don't know what's sort of already ingrained or uh, what what we can blame on mental illness? It, like, there's just so many unknowns as to how somebody like this can can become the kind of person he did. Mm-hmm. Um. So in this letter, Roger writes that he's labeled as the quiet kid in school. He's um uh, shorter than the other boys, and that sticks out to him. So right there. It doesn't take a psychotherapist to see that he's identifying stereotypical male attributes that he thinks he's supposed to have, like being tall, mm. being confident, maybe being loud, and realizing he doesn't have them. So, hence, he's not masculine enough. Right. He writes about an incident in middle school when he's 11 where he accidentally bumps into a girl and she yells at him, curses him out, and embarrasses him in front of the other kids. He writes, quote, It makes me feel like an insignificant, unworthy little mouse. <laughs>
1: wait and they were they were in elementary school yep
0: oh okay yeah so this this leaves a big imprint in him being embarrassed in front of of women at 12 he says he sees his first pornographic video and he writes quote finding out about sex is one of the things that truly destroyed my entire life i would never get it not getting any sex is what will shape the very foundation of my miserable youth. That's a really weird stance to have on sex, especially at 12 years old, to already assume uh, that right. that's not going to be something that you ever get to share with someone. Or just, I mean, the way he words it, get sex, as though it's like he... something. He right. Did. How
1: old was he when he did the this bullshit?
0: 22. He was 22.
1: Okay. So Mm -hmm. he already felt like he was being left out of getting laid at age 12, which is not an age
0: when people get laid. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. All right. And he's also looking at it as something that he should have, you know, like money. Right. It should be given to him. Right. And not something like, and granted, porn isn't going to give you any sort of healthy uh, visual of what sex means in a relationship. But the way that it's (laughs) already. (laughs) Exactly. But the way it's already framed in his head is like something that he deserves and something that he should get from women, like something that's owed him. It's really, really terrifying how his mind is shaping this. And it's so sad to me how no one noticed any of this and stepped in to help it all change how he's seeing the world at this point, because Mm -hmm. it's just it's this downward slide that's just getting worse and worse and worse. Um, at this point, he starts getting really into video games, particularly World of Warcraft, and says it's an escape for him. Uh, now, maybe his parents did notice something was off about him, or maybe I'm just making that leap. But at 14, he's enrolled in a Catholic all-boys school. Okay. Unfortunately, the culture there is not helpful. He's bullied. He says he's called the um, F slang word denoting that they think he's gay. I'm not going to say that because I hate that word. Yes, it's a horrible same. word. Um He writes that going through puberty, quote, utterly doomed my existence. It condemned me to live a life of suffering and unfulfilled desire. Uh, Okay. So obviously, we are just beating the dead horse of entitlement at this point. Like, Mm -hmm. things are owed to me. I'm not getting that. (coughs) Sorry. (coughs) This story makes me cough. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Then he writes this chilling little ditty. Quote, the most meanest, which is great vocabulary, mm, the most meanest yes. and depraved men come out on top, and women flock to these men. Their evil acts are rewarded by women, while the good, decent men are laughed at. I hated the girls even more than the bullies because of this. So obviously, he's grouping himself with good, decent men, I
1: guess. You know, that's the thing is that this gets, I, this is where I'm remembering this, is that, um, and I don't know if I've mentioned it on the on the podcast before, but there's a there's a subreddit called Nice Guys, Mm-mm. and it's these and it's these guys who think that women will always choose the assholes and the dicks over the nice guys, um, even though these nice guys usually end up starting things by asking for like nude pics to be sent to them, or I don't understand why you don't leave your boyfriend when I would treat you so well. And all mm. the, it's like, it's all, it's all very like conceited, like they, they're down on themselves because they're a nice guy and they're never going to get the girl because of that. And they're very full of themselves, even though it's that mentality that pushes them to never being with someone because they're such a dick. They and can't so, see it. right. They can't see it. And that's totally, I'm remembering this now because as soon as he came up, I thought about that whole nice guy subreddit because it's just nothing but people like, you know, mm-hmm. putting putting those guys on blast that are like, I'm so nice. Why wouldn't anybody want to be with me? And it's it's their fault that that I hate women because no one will like have sex with me. And it's like, no. Oh. do you hear the words yeah. that are coming out of your mouth?
0: And that's why there's no way this guy hit a therapist. Right. There's not one ounce <sighs> of self-reflection happening No, in any of this. I mean, he's taking that nice guy's finished last thing and he's putting like a serial killer twist on it. Is mm-hmm. what he's he's doing. Scary, yeah. He's taking it to the scary level. So his parents pull him out of school, put him in another school, pull him out of that school, and put him in something called a continuation school, which is basically like a homeschool program. So Ooh, that's always bad. This is all happening by sixteen. There were obviously visible issues here that his parents were seeing and, and were trying to correct. Mm-hmm. Um then Roger starts reading about politics and sociology. And after this, he writes, quote, I began to have fantasies of becoming very powerful and stopping everyone from having sex. I wanted to take oh. their sex away from them, just like they took it away from me. <gasps> so he is fixated. Fixated. Right. Take
1: it away from him.
0: <sighs> you know At what 90- else this is? He's yeah.
1: a He's a fucking incel. Hmm. That it's not his, have have you, you've heard that term before, I think. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Where he's like, it's not his fault he's not getting laid. It's society's fault that he's Mm -hmm. not getting laid. Like, how is, again, like you said, I'm sure that this whole story was a rabbit hole, but like, how, you have to be so fixated on something to then start to believe that it's actually true. Yeah. Because that's really what he had to, what had to have happened here. Right. Right. Oh, my God. Just
0: nuts. It's like a cult mentality, but he's like the only one in the cult. Right. He started his own cult. Well, he's in a cult of incels. That's true. But he's taking it to his own.
1: Like, he has his own personal story that he's totally fixated on as well.
0: Yeah. He's creating his own reality around him of where the world has wronged him so badly. Uh, Oh, God. It's so scary. I mean, this is he's got to be being taught in... Like college for, you know, um, people going into mental health. I mean, just the way that his mind is just unraveling or maybe raveling. I don't know which one he would use at this point. it It's bananas to me. Mm-hmm. So at 19, he enrolls in community college. He starts taking karate, thinking um, that this could help him make some friends. Um, but the guy says, and this is all Roger's account of this in his manifesto thing. Um, but this guy that he thinks that he's going to make friends with in karate class says that some of the things Roger is talking about, quote, disturb him. Yeah. And so, of course, Roger's like, you know, we can't become friends now. And I was like, is that not a red flag in your own brain at any point? Like you, if someone said that I was disturbing, I, I would be like, whoa, what the fuck am I saying? But not him. No,
1: no, he no, no, no. Because he can trucking. do no wrong.
0: Right. He moves into an apartment in Santa Barbara. And his anger at this time starts delving into uh, race uh, and racism and being jealous of black men who can, quote, get white girls. Oh, my God. Again, this is, uh,
1: you're watching too much porn, my friend.
0: Oh, my God. At one point, he sees a couple kissing at Starbucks and he follows them out to their car. This is all his self-confession in this in this letter still. He follows them out to their car and he throws coffee on them. What? <laughs> He writes, quote, it was around this point in my life that I realized I was capable of doing such things. I would happily do such things. I was capable of killing them, and I wanted to.
1: Um, You threw coffee on them, sir. That's different than killing them. But yeah. the fact but that, that he's willing line to thing. make that leap. Right. Like, yeah. if I can throw coffee on somebody, why couldn't I
0: kill them? Why couldn't ah! I kill them? And I want to. <laughs> oh, my God. So incred- just uh, chilling. He's 20 at this point. And now it gets even better. He finds an online community of other misogynists. It's like a message board. I don't know what kind of community it is. But he writes in this community that he's begun, quote, envisioning a world where women fear you. (sighs) So this is what he wants to happen now. And for some reason, he sends these websites um, or these message boards or whatever it is to his dad to look at. And I kind of wonder why. Was it like a cry for help or maybe he thought his father felt the same way? Right. Did Who he need affirmation
1: that this was like a decent way of thinking?
0: Maybe. I, maybe he wanted somebody to join him or maybe he thought, you know, something was wrong. I, I don't know. That could That <laughs> Dad steered be me this him. way. Why wouldn't he enjoy this? Because right. fuck mom. She's a I bitch. I don't know. But his dad recalls telling him. Uh, in this interview that his dad gave after this incident that we're getting to, his dad told him that these sites are evil and that he shouldn't go on there. But that was hardly enough to stop him. So at least his dad said the right thing, but he didn't, as far as I can tell, didn't do anything beyond that. And again, not blaming his dad for for this man's behavior, but this whole thing, you're just kind of wishing that somebody would have stepped in and and just stopped it. Mm -hmm. So Roger writes that he decided to give women one last chance to help him lose his virginity. <laughs> <laughs> Ugh. I mean, that wording, I just, I can't. So he goes to this party, this college party, uh, and lo and behold, women are ignoring him. No doubt they can feel his creepy, desperate, women-hating energy flowing right out of him. Right. So. He does a completely reasonable thing and climbs up on a 10-foot ledge and pretends to shoot partygoers goers with an imaginary gun. Then he tries to shove women with me.
1: off of the <laughs> ledge.
0: Oh, yeah. okay. Again, this is all going very according to plan for yeah. getting laid. This is this is his tactic. I'm going to pretend to shoot you, and then I'm going to try to shove women off of this ledge who have come up here as well. Um, but some guys intervene, and they shove him off the ledge instead. Um, He ends up breaking his ankle. The cops come, and he calls his dad, and he tries to make this whole thing out like he had been bullied throughout this party, but there's enough witness accounts that say no, he was definitely the aggressor there. Does this ring to you a little bit like American Psycho? It's giving me those kind of vibes.
1: A little bit, because like, and that's that's literally where my brain just went, like, he's giving women one last chance to have sex with them, Mm -hmm. but like... If I recall correctly, in American Psycho, he was picking up prostitutes and paying them for sex. Right. And then murdering them. But that's where I thought was like, if you're so desperate to get laid, just pay for it. Like, Mm -hmm. there is no shame in the sex work game. If women are willing to have sex with men for money, and it's not like a child trafficking thing, yada, 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 it's legitimate, blah, blah, blah. There's no, like, just, I, I mean... I I am not friends with this person, but I know of at least one person that did that. They saved up a whole bunch of money because they'd never been laid, and they were in their twenties. And there was a bachelor party thing happening in Las Vegas, and he took one or two of his nights beforehand and went to the Bunny Ranch and finally got laid. Mm-hmm. And you know, he didn't kill anybody. He got laid. He it's definitely one way it. around it. I mean, there, sir, there, sir, who's not alive anymore? There are avenues. To this outside of what you're imagining. But this I just, guy, I,
0: I mean, he was uh, I mean, even he if he his... would have gotten laid. Like even if somebody oh my god, thank God nobody did. But you know what? Even if somebody would have been the lid to his pot, my God, that would have been a, a bad future Right. He for had his person. mind made up. It
1: didn't matter. It really didn't yeah. matter at that point. He was so pissed.
0: Because it was around this time frame that he began planning his attack on women. For more than a year, he meticulously plots what he's going to do. He spends nearly $2,500 on guns and ammo, and he starts practicing at a gun range. At least twice between 2012 and 2014, he says he's about to do it, but he cancels. He's Ugh. been in and out of therapy his whole life, but because he's never been diagnosed with a mental illness, he was able to purchase three handguns. Now, I should clarify that even if you're diagnosed with a mental illness, it doesn't stop you from being able to buy a gun. But federal law says that you have to be um, involuntarily committed to a mental hospital or be declared mentally incompetent, and then you're denied a gun. Okay. But how so many people a really go like go that far, you know? Right there's a few hoops to jump through right at the time he was in this apartment if you remember and he was sharing it with two other guys Mm -hmm. um and i wonder like part of me is just wondering like did they notice that he was stocking up on guns and ammo and going to the shooting range or my guess is that he might have just been kind of a loner and kept to himself Mm mm-hmm but I mean, buying guns and going to a shooting range, not necessarily always a red flag. People do that as a hobby. I just wonder if this was like a new hobby. If right. someone all of a sudden shows interest in guns and starts hoarding them, like maybe raise that red flag a little bit. Because um, unfortunately, around 8 p.m. on May 23rd, Roger's two roommates become his first two victims. Really? Uh, mm-hmm. Men? Male? Males? Males. M- men. Oh. Not mailmen. men, No. <laughs> Um, (laughs) Men who are males. (laughs) Men who are males. (laughs) (laughs) Unfortunately. Um, So Roger's in his apartment waiting for his roommates to come home. Um, Weehan Wang, uh, known, he goes by David, and Chang Wan Hong, he goes by James. They're both 20 years old. They enter the apartment separately and Roger stabs them to death. Then Roger also kills their friend, George Chen, 19, who comes back to the apartment with them. Oh, my God. And it's really sick because he doesn't stab them just once. The autopsy report shows that Roger stabbed Wang, the first victim, in the apartment 15 times, Hung the second victim, 25 times, and then Chen, the third victim, 94 times. Holy shit. So instead of getting scared or doubting himself after the first time, he plunges a knife into one of these guys. Like it in, seems like he's he gets into now. more emboldened. Yeah. Right. He becomes more angry, more violent. So these three guys are dead. Roger gets into his BMW and he goes for coffee. That's oh. where he shows his, uh, that's where the receipts show he goes next. He goes and he buys a coffee and he sits in his car for a little bit. He sends his um, manifesto thing to his parents and his therapist. He uploads that YouTube video um, that he made With the, the day before. Giggles. Okay. Mm-hmm. His mom reads the manifesto. And then she goes online and sees his YouTube video like almost instantly. She calls his father, because they're divorced, and they both um, start frantically driving to Santa Barbara from Los Angeles, where they live, um, and then they're calling the police en route, but it was too late. Oh, my God. In his manifesto, Roger outlined that he was going to hit the, quote, hottest sorority of UCSB because the girls there, quote, represent everything I hate in the female gender, In his ideal world, he wrote that he'd rather quarantine all women in concentration camps and deliberately starve them to death. He would build an enormous tower for himself and gleefully watch them all die. But he doesn't have time for that, so he's just going to go try and shoot them. Roger drives to the Alpha Phi sorority house and he begins loudly knocking on the front door. Luckily, no one opens it for the armed gunman. Thank God. However, unfortunately, he does begin shooting people who are walking past the sorority house. He kills two women, Katie Cooper, 22, and Veronica Weiss, 19. And then he shoots a third woman, Bianca DeCock, and she, um, she was shot but survived. Oh, my God. Yeah. He jumps back in his BMW, and he begins driving um, and just firing out his window. He fires into an unoccupied coffee shop. Luckily, doesn't hit anybody. And then he shoots into a deli where there's a guy in there just buying some chips, 20-year-old Christopher Michael Martinez, and he's killed instantly. Hmm. Um, Roger starts driving down the wrong side of a road at this point, and he hits a guy with his car who survives. He fires at two people on the sidewalk, Aaron Zaglin, who survived a single gunshot wound to his left arm, and Bailey Maples, who survives a single gunshot wound to the right arm then Megan Carlado survives a single gunshot to the right thigh. Sierra Schwartz was shot at several times, but he missed her. Oh so those God. were his next victims or attempted victims, I guess. Keep in mind Keep in mind he had more than 600 rounds of ammunition with him. <gasps> yeah. So he was he was going to be in this for the long haul.
1: I just I mean where what is the the plan here? Like, I know that he had a plan, right? He wanted to punish people. Right, doesn't this seem chaotic for a plan that took more than a year? Like, It seems chaotic, and also, like, your plan was to eliminate all women.
0: Mm -hmm. Oh, no, he's mad at the men, too, remember, for having sex. He's mad at the men, too, but, like, I I would just
1: love, I mean, maybe I don't want to know, and maybe I need to read the manifesto, but just to understand how in his brain that this... What he is doing is going to make him feel be better or feel better or do better in life if he eliminates these miscellaneous people and his roommates that he's taken out. Like that's the logic connection. Like maybe again, maybe I don't really want to know because it'd be too terrifying. But I mean, I think I, that's I, like I,
0: delving into the mind of a of a killer, right? Like what I you can't even begin to understand how one could get pleasure from killing a bunch of people,
1: or because just think we're that- not
0: psychos. Like, what is the
1: end game? Like, I I know what his end what what ultimately happened. But like, is there is there thought to the in, in reasoning to getting them past the point of where they've committed this crime and then they just are happier
0: and live their life? I think he probably thought that this would send some sort of grand message that he thought he was far more important than he actually was. Right. So he has this inflated self of importance, self sense of self-importance where he just thinks, well, now people are going to know that they wronged me and I'm going to be infamous. (sighs) Uh, No. Yeah. No. okay, go ahead. So he he continues on um, driving around erratically and he hits two more pedestrians with his car. And then there's a sheriff's deputy who's now on his tail and they exchange fire. Um, but luckily, these people survive. Obviously, at this point, 911 calls have begun pouring in. So now he has more cops that are um, getting to him at this time. But he's still driving down these streets and he's um, either hitting people with his car or shooting at his window. At least three men are shot Victor Garcia, Mitchell um, Labarsky, and Elliot. G. Um, they all survived. He hit a skateboarder and two cyclists with his car. Then he hit a second skateboarder on the next street and he shot two more men standing at an intersection. But luckily, all these people survive. Wow. Turning a corner, he confronts three sheriff's deputies and they exchange fire. One of the bullets went into Roger's hip, but he keeps driving as uh, police are pursuing him. He strikes another cyclist in the pursuit and then he crashes his car. And then he fires his final shot, which is into his own head. It sounds like this Ugh. rampage goes on and on, but actually by all accounts, it was very quick. The first nine one one call came in at nine twenty seven and Roger was dead by nine thirty five. That's in eight minutes morning? PM.
1: PM okay. Mm-hmm. This is at night. Eight, like, eight minutes. minutes.
0: Yeah, he kills three people and injures 14 more in eight minutes in addition to the three men he'd killed earlier in his apartment. So he killed six okay, people so, total. So the minute he starts shooting out his window
1: and the first 911 call comes in.
0: Yeah, because people don't know about the three guys at his apartment. Right, yet. right. They won't know about that for a while.
1: Eight minutes. I mean, honestly, if if he's on a college campus on a warm California evening, mm-hmm. there has to be a lot of people around. That's insane. And very very mm-hmm. frightening that he could do that much damage
0: in eight minutes. Yeah, and he could have done a lot more. I, right, it, he had six hundred rounds, like I said. But <laughs> I mean, so it's not it's not a good thing that he killed six at all. But man, I I, I think his probably his plan was to do a lot more damage. Mm-hmm. Um, Roger's dad later told um, Barbara Walters in an ABC News interview, uh, which was done just a month after this happened which is kind of crazy to me and and sort of i hate that part of journalism where it's like he's had a month to process this the dad and then he has to go he doesn't have to go but he's probably very heavily persuaded to go sit in front of Barbara walters and tell his side she's got to get those fresh tears they can't be stale i know (laughs) and he says uh elliot was far from evil Something happened to him. He was the most beautiful, kind, sweetheart of a boy, and something happened to him. He was adorable. He would laugh so much that sometimes we were worried he would choke. So, like, I I feel like the only way his dad can come to terms with what his son did is to say that his mind was taken over by a disease. Like, mm-hmm. is this possible? Yeah, I suppose it is. Yeah, you know, there we can say mental illness can play a big part in... Impulsive behavior, but this doesn't seem impulsive. Like this seems like something according to his own no. manifesto that had been building since he was a child. So it's and not he like had he, right. And he'd been sharing pieces of it with his with the people around with him. With his yeah. So to say that something happened to his son, I mean I he's obviously hurting he's in a ton of pain like I I don't want to minimize that or whatever but it's just we also can't write off things like this as mental illness we can't write them off as something happened like this was something that this man chose to do he planned to do and he Mm -hmm. did because he felt entitled to do and like as soon as we can start talking about that we can actually start getting to the root of femicide which is what this is so In addition to blaming mental illness, um, a lot of people also like to blame the NRA and lax gun laws for killing sprees like Rogers, which is kind of the go-to after mass shootings, right? Mm -hmm. But as we've outlined many, many times on here, even if you take away guns, there is still going to be misogyny. There's still going to be femicide because certain men, Roger being an extreme example, feel entitled to women and their bodies. And when they can't control women, they want to kill women and they don't Mm -hmm. need guns to do it. Men kill women with their hands all the time.
1: Right. Let's not forget that he murdered his roommates by stabbing them first. Yeah. He didn't have a gun. Which which is typically what people do when they have, it seems like when they have a relationship with someone, stabbing mm-hmm. is more intimate rather than mm-hmm. driving by and shooting people, right? Like that's right. what you do when you don't know a person. When you're killing someone that you know that more intimate, like strangling or stabbing is typically like the, the method of choice. And they don't, you don't need a, you don't have a weapon if you're
0: using your hands or something, get out of the kitchen. I was going to say a lot of abusers choose strangulation because of this sick fetish they have with watching their victims suffer because they feel like they need to be punished. And usually they feel like they need to be punished because the men, the abusers are no longer in control of them. The International Center for Counterterrorism at The Hague, is it The Hague? H-I-G-U-E. Mm-hmm. That sounded weird when I said it. The hang, described, yeah. um, they described Elliot's murder spree as an act of misogynistic terrorism, and this is a rather new category well that they've been tracking since 2018. The Australian Security Intelligence Organisation uh, considers misogynistic violence among the fastest-growing terrorism threats of 2021. Just as a little fun fact, and by fun I mean terrifying. Um. But shocker, misogynistic terrorism isn't something the U.S. follows or tracks, as far as I could tell, and it's not something that our media necessarily reports on. I spoke with philosopher Kate Mann, who is the author of Down Girl, The Logic of Misogyny, and her second book is called Entitled, How Male Privilege Hurts Women. Um, She told me that she became especially interested in the study of how people define misogyny after the news of Roger's killings broke. She said, quote, people would say things like, well, he loved his mother. And my feeling was, if this isn't misogyny, then what is? Right. Like, if you love your mother, you can't be a misogynist. That's like right. saying you have it, right. black friends, so you can't be racist. Like, right. those or, two things are not related.
1: This man has a daughter and and sisters. How could he be this way towards women? Yeah. <laughs> Uh, Guess man what? Also, everybody has a mom. Everybody has a mom. Everybody does. That's just the, it's the law of life. Everybody's got a mom and dad. <laughs> well man they're not there. in their me, life is another um, thing.
0: <laughs> The way I tried to theorize it is um there is this system which I count as misogyny that functions to police and in which functions to police and enforce patriarchal norms and expectations. And both norms and expectations have to do with feeling as a man entitled to certain goods like sex and care and reproductive and emotional labor from women. And it makes sense that if you have those false beliefs about what women owe to men, that there would be a common phenomenon of lashing out at women who don't deliver those goods. She calls it a completely wrongheaded but not incoherent moral system, which I just thought was really interesting because that really does sum up both femicide and domestic violence as a whole, it's these men who feel like they're entitled to things, um, not just sex, but also care and labor from women. And then when they don't mm-hmm. get them, they feel like they have every right to lash out. I mean, because you have to remember, it wasn't that long ago that it was legal to hit your wife for right. not not following your commands and orders. So, like that was ingrained in men for decades upon decades. Right.
1: Now, disobedience by the wife equals whatever kind of punishment that you, the husband, want to give, unless it's murder. That's too yeah. much. But anything else aside from that, no, nah, that's fine. I know.
0: It's, <laughs> it's insane. So that's, I feel like that's what we need to be talking more about. I'm all for, you know, stricter gun control and gun laws. And, you know, I'm, I'm happy to join in any of those discussions, but it's really, it's just, it's not entirely the fault of guns. Or people with guns. It's, right. it's a culture that is promoting this. Um, there's also this horrific incident known as the Montreal Massacre, where a guy named Mark Lapine went into a mechanical engineering class at the Ecole Polytechnique um, uh, and ordered men and women to go to the opposite sides of the room. He said he was fighting feminism and he shot nine women. Six of them died. Then he left the classroom and went on a 20-minute shooting spree where he targeted just women, killing eight more before shooting himself. This was in 1989, and it was recognized as the first documented mass killing explicitly motivated by anti-feminist resentment. Hmm. So that's just something to know, at least. Which we
1: know was not the first time it happened, just the first one recognized. Documented
0: and recognized, exactly. <laughs> no, it's not the first time women were killed for being women, no, by no. any sense. Um, yeah. So anyway, that is the story of Elliot Roger, and that is why we need to talk more about misogyny hand-in-hand uh, hand with talking about gun laws. The end. Oh, very uplifting. Happy Monday. It's- but yes, I'm really glad
1: that we talked about this guy because it is its own subset of toxic masculinity that just takes it to such an extreme level where the world is against this one single person because he can't get laid. Yeah. And I, I it's very scary. And I and I think that this this serves as a as a thing where you need to look out for look out for your friends. And if your friends start getting I mean, and I think this is one of those things that we've all seen escalate a little bit in the last few years where people just are forming their own opinions based on what they're reading online. And it's not always truth or fact. And they can take it to a level of like, are you kidding me? Like, are you, you're not okay. Right. Mm-hmm. And it's not just vaccinations or Trumpism or weird QAnon stuff, but it's also this kind of stuff where there's enough people around that feel like they're being victimized by the world. Mm -hmm. And if a friend of yours starts speaking in that manner, it's always good to kind of check in and see how they're doing. Or if you're not comfortable enough checking in on them yourselves, find a way to get in touch with their parents or find a way to get in touch with, like, a social service that can check on them. Because, you know, clearly the world isn't rife with Elliot Rogers's... No. Walking around out there, but there are, I'm sure that there are plenty of men around there around that are just thinking that their inability to get a date or to get mm-hmm. laid is a, a social injustice rather than yeah. maybe something they need to personally work on as
0: part of their own problem. But I mean, that the next Elliot Rogers is out there. Rogers. Yes. We mm-hmm. have to keep that in mind. Like he's he's out there somewhere right now and he's thinking about how women have wronged him and, you know. That's why women are generally afraid to reject men because shit like this, right?
1: Right, exactly. Yeah. Especially, and that—that's the shitty thing too—is that you don't always recognize that someone, maybe that you are going on a first date with or didn't really know very well, and you've decided to start talking to them. You don't know how the fucked they are in the head until mm-hmm. you start talking to them, and then it's already too late because you're in. You're like, you've become a piece of their like whatever their web Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so yes be safe and if and and just be aware Mm
0: -hmm. not jobs they everywhere not jobs everywhere (laughs) all right well we'll be back in two weeks and maybe because it's around christmas maybe we should do like a like a happy episode is there a way to frame toxic masculinity a happy way could we like give like stories of the opposite of toxic masculinity i don't know i just feel like we shouldn't bring down champions of right like christmas
1: right champions of feminism basically yeah do you do you male know a champions champion of feminism? feminism male champions of feminism let us know right are you a male champion of feminism <laughs> probably not because it seems like the men listeners we have are the ones giving us one star On iTunes, (laughs) so knock that off, please.
0: They're like, "Will you please stop talking about us? We want to be able to control women. God damn it! You are rewarding our effort control. Please, please back off. Stop educating (laughs) women.
1: God, knock it off. You are not to be empowered. I am to beat you in the kitchen for not preparing my dinner correctly, and it's and it should be okay. (laughs) (laughs) No, no, fuck that, and fuck all of all that stuff. Fuck all that shit. (laughs) All right, so happy holidays. Uh, yeah. When we are back, it is going to be the Christmas time. So maybe, mm-hmm.
0: yeah, let's. let's We're going to come up with a end the year on a happy note. Christmas episode. Maybe <laughs> we'll just get on here and sing. Who knows? Should we talk about how Santa's
1: a toxic man? I, I, <laughs> Don't you dare! Don't even. Like, why doesn't Mrs. Claus get any of the credit? She's the one supporting <laughs> his grumpy ass 364 <laughs> days a year. Like, what? What about just that? Because animal?
0: there is this. Story of a man who is constantly watching us and judging us, and deeming whether or not we deserve presents. That doesn't make it toxic. And that he's like a <laughs> gift to everyone, right? <laughs> maybe that's and he's old, we'll and you have to sit in his lap. There is nothing right. toxic no. about this. Zero
1: toxic, anything there. We are I, you know, not maybe
0: going to delve into that.
1: Maybe we'll talk about how I appreciate Krampus more than I appreciate Santa. Krampus. <sighs> maybe not. <gasps> all right. Okay. That's it for episode 36 friends. Thanks for joining us. Do all the things on the social medias and follow us and like us and engage with us and
0: And please tell rate us, us and review us. Let's come on. Let's bring this back up. Let's reclaim this from the one star reviews
1: from those one star mani- <laughs> maniacs. Oh, sweet Jesus. All right. <laughs> Happy uh, Monday friends. Bye. <laughs>
0: bye. Thank you for listening to another episode of Toxic. By making time to hear these stories, you've become part of the spotlight that keeps abusers from hiding in the shadows, believing they're untouchable. Please visit us on Instagram and Twitter at ToxicThePodcast or ToxicThePodcast.com and let us know what you think about what we've said or tell us what we should talk about next. If you're experiencing abuse, please visit DomesticShelters.org to find more information about all forms of domestic violence or to locate an advocate or shelter in your area. You can also call the National Domestic Violence Hotline at 800-799-SAFE. If you're a survivor of sexual assault and need someone to talk to, please call the National Sexual Assault Hotline at 800-656-HOPE.